in preparation for today's message. We shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Again, that is Galatians, chapter 5, verses 15 to thir- uh, 13 to 15. Please open your Bibles to that portion of the Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let us all rise in reverence to the Word of God. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Good morning. It was a blessed day yesterday for those who were able to come to join us for a a day of a seminar on churches multiplying churches. Today's message is entitled No Excuses based on Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 to 15. Paul expressed deep concern that the letter's recipients should believe the gospel. And his concern was that they should believe a gospel without distortions. He warned that those who seek justification through the works of the law sever themselves from the grace of God. Moreover, he asked who hindered them from running well, which seemed like a sarcastic challenge. Who hindered you from running well? He also warned that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough, which inferred that one must avoid even a little false teaching or even a little adjustment to the gospel. Paul used strong words against all who would preach a distorted gospel. Remember, he said, it's not really another gospel, but some have distorted it. And we know that the Judaizers just said, well, sure, have faith. We are justified by faith, and you have to be circumcised, and you have to follow the law of Moses, and you have to follow our rituals, including our food rituals. Some of the strong words that Paul used included a curse, let him be accursed. Another, including me or an angel of light who preaches to you another gospel, let this person be accursed. And recently, in verse 12, another strong and the most sarcastic statement I have seen so far, let them be emasculated. The Latin translation shares more of the figurative sense, let them be separate. But the other texts, other translations really have the term to cut it all off, may the knife slip 
and cut you off. And this is to those who would disturb the Galatians. You see, in his first missionary journey, he went through different towns in South Galatia. And that's what we believe, that this was the southern Galatian part. And wherever he went, there was a group that was following him. Can you imagine that? He went here, he would preach the gospel, he would go there, he would preach the gospel, and go to another place, and then when he would come back, somebody came there as well. And they were discrediting him. He's not really an apostle, because you see, the gospel is this. It is really about Christ plus something else. And Paul warned, if you add that plus, if you find justification by circumcision or by the law, you are severed from the grace of God. And he's confident, I'm confident with you, Galatians, that you will have the right point of view. And we emphasize that the point of view or the understanding of what the gospel is, is so important because if you understand and believe in the distorted wrong gospel, you are severed from the grace of God. That's why we fight for doctrine. We're all the same. If they were concerned in the first century, 26 out of the 27 New Testament books warned about a certain form of false teaching. Because anybody, somebody may want to distort a little bit, add a little bit, or remove a little bit. Paul was saying, I hope that you, I'm confident that you will have the right point of view. But after saying those words, after developing a discourse on what the gospel is, and it is justification by faith alone, even citing Abraham, because probably the Judaizers also cited Abraham, speaking about circumcision. But it did not say through circumcision, Abraham was made righteous. It's in Genesis that it says that because he believed, it was counted as righteousness. So he was arguing through this letter against the, what the Judaizers were teaching. And we learn how does it apply today. We must be careful. We must believe in the gospel. Take note, as revealed in Scripture, not as revealed by religion, not as revealed by any preacher, including me, including anybody else, but as revealed in Scripture. So if somebody asks you, how is a person saved or justified? You do not say, by saying a sinner's prayer, you do not say by acceptance. The more accurate words are, we are justified by faith. Righteousness is through faith. Those are the exact words of Scripture. And that's what we say. Um, somebody asked me, why are you sometimes angry? I said, it's Galatians, okay? I mean, I cannot make fun of Galatians because Paul wasn't being funny here, okay? He was being strong and sarcastic. So you want me to re misrepresent the author? I can't do that. And one of the roles of a preacher is to represent the author, including the tone of how the author was writing. 
Now, there's more freedom for that in the book of Proverbs because we really didn't know what tone it was written in. But this has a very clear tone. Now, after saying that you are free in Christ through faith, and he mentioned grace in chapter 5, the earlier part, grace and faith, that you are free, meaning obeying the law does not save you. It is faith in Him, in the gospel that saves you. What is the gospel? What, who Christ is and what He did. It's faith in Him that saves us. We are free. It's not a point system where, oh boy, am I going to hell? I have to do a lot of good works to earn my way. Because that is false teaching. And that, was what, that is what most religions teach. The difference with Christ is He was the substitute because we are unworthy. Somebody worthy must substitute the unworthy sinner. And He is the only one worthy. And that is good news for us. Somebody fought for us. Somebody paid the price. Somebody settled the debt we have. That is good news. But then, now he says, but there's no excuse to sin. Um, obedience does not save you, it's faith alone, but if you truly have faith, then you will obey. You get that logic? Because he said circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't matter. So does he, is it okay for him to, for people like Timothy, whom he allowed to be circumcised? Yes, as long as you don't connect it with justification as long as you don't connect it with salvation or righteousness, because it's not circumcision that makes you righteous. It is faith in Him. Now, should we obey the law? Now, that's the question here. In the moral aspects of the law, which he summarized in the next verse, is something that must be clear to us. We do this because we have faith in Him, and not because it contributes to our salvation. It only validates the justification we received. What is justification? The removal of the guilt through one sacrifice, through one's payment, redemption. Let, let's read verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now he mentions love another time. In the earlier verses, he mentioned faith working through love. Making a connection with love and faith, although he did not say it's loving others that saves you. He did say you are justified by faith, not justified by love. But he then mentions that, well, if I were to interpret it, it's like if your faith is genuine, then there must be love coming out of you as well. But the emphasis of Paul from the start was really to center people on the understanding that we are not justified by our works or the works of the law. We are justified through Christ alone, through faith alone. And that the world cannot accept. Many cannot accept that. 
Because traditionally, we were taught, you have to be a good boy, you have to be a good girl. And there's nothing wrong with being good. We have to try. But in a manner of speaking, no one is good except Him, because all are wretched sinners. To accept humbly, to say, I cannot save myself, and I need a Savior. I need someone to pay my debts, because I cannot. And that is a clear, if one understands the gospel, one understands how wretched he is, how unworthy she or he is, and it brings them down to the ground and say, forgive me, O Lord, and thank you, because I see in you alone. Somehow they understand. But if you think this coming here because, you know, your, your family's here, and it's like a family tradition to come to church and to listen, and you don't see how a wretched sinner we are because I'm a good boy. I don't hurt people. If you lied once, you're a sinner. If you lied twice, you are very much a sinner. If you lied three times, four times, five times, you know what Jesus said in John? You are of your father the devil because he is the father of lies. I don't know about you, but I have lied before. Have you? Have you? Oh, you've never lied makes you another that just gave you your first lie if you haven't lied that you haven't lied now if there's freedom in Christ but you have no excuse do not give an opportunity to the flesh it means do not go on sinning okay do not say well it's by faith by grace anyway uh, therefore, I can still sin. No, that's not how it works. Because if you are truly a person who has faith, he's saying, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul cautioned that those called to freedom should not use their freedom as an excuse for the flesh. And whenever the word flesh is mentioned, some translation uses our sinful nature. But the simplified version is the flesh, that part of us that wants to sin. In other words, to sin. He referred to his statement of, his statement of faith working through love, and then he added here, serve one another. Now, now, we were talking about theologically about the gospel. And now he comes to a more practical thing. Now, after saying that these false teachers or Judaizers who distort the gospel, let them be emasculated figuratively to separate themselves or literally, sarcastically, may they feel the pain of what they do because they will bear the penalty. Those are his words. Then he says, but you who believe, you have to love one another. Take note, separate these, but you love one another. Be very careful. A pastor sent me a message, and he was so burdened because one of his members was believing in this false gospel. And he wanted to 
warn the people. And he made sure that this person has no connection with the other groups, so made sure he's not connected to their FB group and stuff like that because of the false teaching. Then this pastor received anger texts from his other members. Why did you do that? And he had to explain that doctrine is first before our relationship with one another. Now, connecting to others to convince them, that's a different thing. But to make a person say you belong and they preach another doctrine or especially distort the gospel, Paul was clear, let them be separate, emasculated. And I said, bro, I feel you. You really have to teach your people that the danger of being severed from Christ is there. And if they truly love that brother, they should do all they can to convince him, but they should not expose the others to that person. So when I say to you personally, I'm concerned with that person doctrinally because I've engaged some people and they're kind of stubborn I really mean it be careful some of you are quite responsive some of you are not so I believe you would understand more now justification is through faith alone righteousness is through faith alone and not through the works of the law Christ calls believers to freedom but believers should never use the freedom of the law as an excuse to sin. But then he says, you must learn to love one another. So look around you. If these are true believers, even I don't know you so much, if you have genuine faith in Christ, then we have to learn to love one another. And in what way? Well, it says here, serve. No, some people, whenever they think of love, they have their version of love, which is sometimes a touchy-feely, goody feeling, I love you. It's to serve one another. It's to serve. An expression of love in the family is to serve the family. Children, please listen. Serve your family. That's an expression of love. Your parents are serving the family. They're doing what they can to ensure that your tuition fee is paid. They're serving you. Some of them are so tired after work cooking for you and cleaning the house for you. What you can do is to serve them as well. Help them out. In the church community, we have to serve one another. One is through just being participating in growth groups and encouraging one another and finding little ways where we can help one another. It's to serve one another that we are expressing love. You don't have to make it abstract. It's just, it's simply serve one another. And in your heart, you do it for the glory of God. You know why? Because if you're just doing it for the other person, that person is not perfect. Not everybody will reciprocate your service. Now you're looking for reciprocity. But if you do it for the glory of God, it doesn't matter. Now, let's go to the next point, service and love. 
Paul mentioned faith working through love and cautioned about using freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Then he encouraged serving one another through love by quoting Leviticus. It's from Leviticus 9. But the Lord Jesus also mentioned this when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Aside from saying you shall love the Lord your God, he also said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus 19. But let's read verse 14 first. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. I don't think it's literally word. It's one thought. Because the word logos, word, is also thought. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we'll get into specifics on that. Because when we talk about it, it's sometimes so abstract. One is serving one another. That's more, you know, it's more literal. Uh, uh, little things we can do for one another. Or big things we can do for one another in the name of the Lord. Like go and make disciples or teach others or even the little things. A mother needs help with her baby. You said, I can volunteer for a few hours. Let me help you. Stuff like that. Now, was Paul giving into legalism by quoting the law? Because he quoted Leviticus. Let me just say once again, we must apply the moral law. But applying the moral law does not save us. We do it because we are saved. Applying the moral law does not justify us. We are only justified through Christ. But if we are truly justified by faith, then we will obey as well. Obeying the moral law does not save, but it costs or does not justify. But if you're truly justified, then... You don't follow your parents because some, they ordered you. You follow them because you belong to the family. You help out in the family because you belong to that family. Not because you should, but because you belong. Now, Paul was not giving into legalism, definitely not. But not even love can justify anyone. The love emanating from man does not bring justification. However, a genuine believer must manifest love. Now, another warning. Uh, biting and devouring one another leads to mutual destruction, which is the opposite of loving your neighbor as yourself. Paul used words related to untamed beasts and connected them with the flesh. Let's read verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It means that you do not reach to a level of mutual destruction. I mean, do not fight one another. Sometimes we fight with the most little things. We have to please mature. We fight false doctrine. I can accept that. But sometimes we fight with so little things. And we make it so big. And some are so easily offended. And hopefully, we would all mature. We're not, we should not be easily offended when we are corrected. We extend our understanding to the different personalities around us. We don't have to make everybody like us. 
That's a terrible world. Imagine everybody looks like you. It's just an unimaginable world. You know, sometimes they say, the people you don't like, I'm not saying this is always true, but sometimes it is true. The people you don't like seem to have a lot of similarities with you. Now, he said, if you devour one another, you bite and devour. These are characteristics of beasts, although we are not beastly against one another. But aggression can be seen in a different form. The use of improper words. When we talk about somebody else, somebody offended you, you want to tell others so that you feel comforted when they understand you. But the problem with that is this. You spread your poison. You spread your hate. Now they hate this person because of you. And you are a sinner. The best is, Lord, I forgive as you forgive me. Teach me to watch my tongue when I speak to others. I'd rather we discuss more lofty things than what is the real gospel and what's the problem with others who are not accurate with the gospel, such as the discussion in Galatians. At least we have higher discussion. Now, Paul's statements in verses 14 and 15 were his insights of Leviticus 19, 9 to 18. Do we have that? Let's read 9 to 18 of Leviticus, where it came from. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So, again, we're going to look at the context. Do not harvest everything. Part of it, you leave for others to harvest. It's okay. All right? A little bit only. The fallen grapes, it's okay. So, this is generosity by neglect. <laughs> Wonderful, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Next, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. Hmm? That's part of it. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker you shall, not remain, shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall not oppress literally the deaf and the blind. You shall not do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Yes, you can judge your neighbor, but there's a way of righteous judgment. 
which is being fair. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. Don't be such a... I don't like Marites here, all right? If you like Marites, you don't want to change. You're fired, okay? I don't like even the term gossip the gospel. I don't like that term, right? Gossip implies a destruction of somebody else, not just talking. It destroys somebody. Now, if you're not part of those discussing to solve a problem, stop talking. Now, if you're talking to solve somebody's problem, okay, go ahead, solve it, help one another. But if you're just talking, so it also goes well for those who listen. It does not go well for those who listen, I mean. You hear a bad news about somebody else, you easily believe. Ha, ganun pala siya. Ha, sucker. A sucker, you suck up everything. You suck up every message. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry brother. A brother was on the radio recently. I mean, he's popular again. <laughs> so somebody was asking me, have you heard? I said, I, make no, I don't make up my mind until I listen. Didn't we discuss that in Proverbs? Someone who presents his report first seems right until it is cross-examined. So if you easily believed and already troubled, shame on you for easily believing. So don't be a sucker for gossip or slander. All right? Is that okay? Is that okay? Tell your neighbor, don't be a sucker for gossip. Okay. Sorry, let me continue. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly. And this is what I like. We have to talk reasonably with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. And then, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge. Ah, no revenge, especially in marriage. Huh, you made me feel that way, I'll make you feel that way. Ah, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am though. This is the context of you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is part of the moral law that we may follow and we should follow. Because in the New Testament, it speaks of this as well. But in verse 18, Paul was already summarizing the last part of, of, of I mean, in, in verse 15 of Galatians 5, Paul was adding something. And that was in verse 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, so when you say, how do we love one another? Go here. All right? This is a wonderful guideline. We should not hold a grudge. Well, the Israelites should not hold a grudge against one another. The same with us. In Leviticus 19, loving the neighbor is treating, let me summarize, treating the neighbor with respect 
and fairness. It is also about removing hatred from the heart and exercising reason when there seems to be conflict. Let me just go quick on the application before we close. Number one, give no excuses. Righteousness is through faith alone. Justification is through faith alone. Never through religious slavery. Never through the works of the law. We should celebrate our freedom in the gospel, yet never use freedom as a reason to sin. Some people think faith alone is a license to sin. No, 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 no. Justification and righteousness are through faith alone. But just as the Reformer says, just as Luther said, however, the faith that saves you is never alone. Saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. It manifests into what? Loving, loving your neighbor as yourself. Genuine faith leads to obedience. And soon the author, Paul, would be discussing the fruit of the Spirit. Because genuine faith and the fruit of the Spirit cannot be separated. Number two, through love, serve the community. Protect the community from false teaching and false teachers. Yet within the community, we must, through love, serve one another. We may express such in the church as a whole, but especially within small groups. Because how can we say we love one another when we are... Well, we're, we haven't gone back to, to pre-pandemic numbers because a lot of you still like staying at home and watching the video there. Uh, the smaller groups must come back to that level. But as we are growing, how do we really love one another? You cannot just come to church service and go home and not connect with people. It is best expressed in a small group. So when somebody is in trouble... That's when we become generous with one another in the small group. That's how shepherding works in the small group. That's how we can apply it. Because we cannot love the people of God in the abstract. We have to serve one another. How may we serve one another through love again? If you look at within the context of Galatians, which is to proclaim and believe in the gospel without distortions. Let us emulate Paul's deep concern that people believe in the accurate gospel. And we can make sure that those in our small group believe in the gospel as revealed by Scripture, not as given by man today, not even being Bereans or even being biblically sound and listening and having a, a healthy, skeptical perspective. Take note, there is such a thing as healthy skepticism. And we say to you, apply it to us first, your preachers. But not just us. Every preacher you have, listen to. It's not pride of saying, I'm better than you. It's just being curious. Amen. But is that accurate according to what he quoted? Is that what the author mean? That quotation? The one who wrote it? Was it James? Was it Peter? Was it John? Did John really say that? Was that the real meaning? How do you find it? Historical context, literary context. And if it is not, conservatively filter what you hear. And lastly, watch out 
while we speak against false teaching or careless handling of Scripture, careless handling of Scripture, we should treat other respectfully and fairly. I mean, if you know the one speaking, let's speak with them. Let's talk to them. Let's invite them in a dialogue. And I love dialogues. Whether it's with atheists or evangelical preachers that I think may not have been accurate in one area. Because if I am not accurate in one area, I would really enjoy for somebody to say, Pastor, may I double check you? Based on the series of readings I have as well, based on its history, uh, it would be more accurate if you said this. Because sometimes we make fallacies, right? Yeah, we, we can, if your logic is not right. Yeah, for example, Filipinos love to sing. Therefore, all Filipinos love to sing. Is that correct? That is a false statement. But some will argue, no, that's true. Everybody loves to sing, but not everybody can sing. No, 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 no. It's still a hasty generalization. The premise and the conclusion does not connect. Just because you see so many Filipinos singing well doesn't mean all of us can sing well. Doesn't mean all of us love to sing. And sometimes just we see part in Scripture, we tend to create fallacies, fallacious statements, and we have to be careful. Now, But still, we have to be careful among ourselves not to bite and devour one another, lest it leads to mutual destruction. Now, what if you hear somebody speaking against somebody? You have to stop it. Why do you speak that way, and why are you speaking with me? You know, the best way I can help you is to set you up a meeting with that person so we finish this. So if I hear somebody speaking against me, and then somebody reports to me, then what did you do? Sit this person a meeting with me immediately because I don't like because those who talk and talk and talk about somebody's these it's poor way of handling community and it's the world's ways and we cannot follow that we apply Matthew 18 or we avoid devouring one another by sitting down but if somebody has sat down several times and still are stubborn then we warn the church of them. Let us not allow the flesh to take over that part of us. You know, the flesh is that part of us which desires to sin. And we will learn later on that we should walk in the Spirit. So we are justified through faith, yet we are still tempted. We might say that uh, uh, we, in my, our minds we might reason to sin, Yet Paul would also mention how we will not fulfill the flesh. Now, some of the deeds of the flesh, some, let me just mention, that can cause destruction, destruction in church or in families, our envy is one. You know, some people like everything equal. Uh, uh, please wake up. That's not the real world. Okay? When we were kids, I remember 
when my mother would bring some so soft drinks, a bottle, when my sister and I would split it, it should be equal to the glass. No, you have a little more. It should be fair. Uh, there are some areas you have more that others have less, and there are some things that others have more. Uh, you have more that they have less, and vice versa, I mean. That's how life is. That's why we can help one another, because others have more knowledge in this. You have less knowledge in this. Some have more resources on this, and you have less resources in this. And some areas you have more, but they have less. That's how we serve one another with what the Lord gave us, rather than hating one another, being envious of one another, because they have more and I have less. Lord, why? The other one is drunkenness. It destroys families. Rebellion, that destroys families and churches. Idolatry, not only idolatry in terms of statues, but having certain things higher than God. Sexual immorality hurts families and it hurts churches. These are just some that Paul would mention that are the deeds of the flesh but instead, we should walk in the Spirit. So as a reminder, let us not use our freedom as an excuse or an opportunity to sin. Instead, let's love one another. How? By serving one another. And remember, you shall love the, well, you shall love the Lord your God, but Paul mentioned here, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he immediately says, in his own context, I just gave you the expanded version in Leviticus 19 where he got it from. But the shorter version that he immediately said, do not bite. If you bite and devour one another. He didn't say do not, but if you did bite and devour one another. He's not saying they were devouring one another, but if you do this, if you do this, you might achieve a level of mutual destruction. So friends, if there's somebody in your mind a brother or a sister, the moment you think of them and then you hate them, you have to transform it and bless you. In your mind, thank you, Lord. I pray blessing for this person. So that when you see that person, the first thing, because you have trained your mind to pray and bless them, first thing in your mind, oh, bless this person, Lord. No excuses. Love one another, do not devour one another. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you. 
Thank you for your word. We celebrate our freedom. It's no longer, in our minds, it's no longer a, we have to do so many good works to be saved. We are justified through faith alone. Thank you. Yet we pray, may we grow in this faith, faith in your word, faith in you. And part of the expression we should do is a faith that works through love. That we, if we have faith in the gospel, one of the fruits of it is that we love one another as ourselves. It means as we take care of ourselves, we have to extend this to others. Teach us not to lie to one another, not to devour one another, not to hate or slander or gossip one another. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And we praise you. We thank you for the freedom. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to serve each other. And may we fulfill this, the fulfillment of the law in one thought and in one command to love one another. Yet the law does not save only faith in the gospel which is the gospel being who Christ is and what he has done his finished work let us all rise may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of his spirit be with you all God's people say Amen, Amen.